Welcome to the Expert Ownership Podcast. I am David. I have my little brother Jason with me, identical twins, business owners, and uh, today we are honored to have Dustin Hepburn with us. Now, most of you, obviously, have probably never even heard of this guy, but he was one of our most successful franchisees back in the day with our franchise. And he was in Cincinnati, Ohio, and he crushed it. And the great thing about that was he was with us for about 10 years, and he used everything that he learned from being one of our franchisees to actually start another franchise in the coffee industry. Yeah. And he said he took all those lessons that we had taught him and he took it in the coffee industry and now he is crushing it. Well, that's that's a good thing to say. Literally coffee beans. Yeah. He's crushing it. Let's hear from Dustin Hepburn. Dustin Hepburn. I can't believe you're actually here with us and you're wearing a Hacksaw Jim Duggan shirt. Absolutely. Do you remember who Hacksaw Jim Duggan was? I do. I okay. do. Fill in, the, fill in the audience. Oh, WWF superstar. Oh, I loved it. And he brought in, he would, he would carry the American flag. And a two by four. And a two by four. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting I because it. just last week we had a podcast with Chad Lale, who's Jackson Riker on WWE. He's a superstar. Oh, awesome. We should have had you come in here. You could have sat on his lap, and he could have treated you like he was Santa. You're a little boy. (laughs) Oh, that's so nice. How's business going? Uh, Business is business. It's actually been fantastic. So it's been awesome on the the coffee shop side of things. Yeah. How about on the real estate side of things? Well, I stuck it it through the REO world, so I'm still doing that too, but we're kind of on the downswing there. Okay, so we've got lots to talk about. A lot to catch up on. Because the entrepreneurs that are listening to this podcast are, some of them are wantapreneurs, some are solopreneurs, others are highly successful entrepreneurs, and then others, as Jason and I say, uh, are on well on their way to becoming CEApreneurs, which means they transcend the system. They don't have to have employees or anything like that unless they want because they've invested and they've got some passive income. I know you've done all of those. We have. We have, and we're in the middle of it too. So So let's just talk specifically. Let's jump in. I want to jump into the coffee business. You bought a franchise. Tell us how it's going. Before we get to coffee, let's go. We met you, what, 10 years ago? Uh, Okay, that's good. It was right after the— 12 years ago. Yeah, 12, 12 years, right after the, uh, right at the peak of the, the Great Recession. In 2008. Yeah, when the world was collapsing. Yes. There yes. we are again. And then, <laughs> obviously, exactly and, right. and for those of you who haven't heard our story, David and I were in real estate, and then we figured out that we could sell houses on behalf of the banks who were taking back these houses, and uh, we created a system and grew to 100 locations in 35 states. Dustin here was one of our very first franchisees, like in the top, t- top first 10 franchisees that we had. And uh, he quickly rose to one of the, our top five franchise, franchisees out of 100. And, uh, dude, you crushed it, man. Yeah. You crushed it. How did how'd you build your business? Just talk to us about the real estate side, and then we'll jump into coffee later. Uh, we followed your blueprint, to be honest. It's funny how I got linked in with you guys, but if you remember Vasquez, yes. um, he answered a Craigslist ad. Mm. And on a, on a whim, I got my wife. I convinced her that all I got to do is go to Charlotte and meet these two random guys that I've never met. <laughs> And she was like, uh, are you sure? You sure you're going to come back? I said, I don't know, but I'll be with Vasquez and we'll figure it out. And if it's not cool, we'll hang out in Charlotte for the weekend and figure it out. And that's where I met you guys. Um, had some real estate experience before we got going on the investment side. So I was very familiar with the REO world. It was something we were trying to break into. And um, we met you guys through Craigslist. Mm. So came down. You guys had the system put together um, and just followed your rules. Everything you said to do, I was like, I'm all in. Got to do this. 
Uh, Amy and I had a one-year-old. The business that I was working for went down in the recession. So Mm -hmm. I had, my back was against the wall at the time. And I was like, I got to make this work. This is what I'm suited for. Met you guys. It's like, this is a company I can get behind the culture. I can get behind the leadership. Um, It was fantastic. So I jumped in, started doing the registration, started doing BPOs. Yeah. Broker price opinions. Yeah. Doing all the small stuff and... About a year and a half in, Vasquez, my partner at the time, was like, this isn't for me. You should yeah. buy me out. <laughs> yeah, because the small stuff ain't sexy. No, not at all. Not we, at all. We live, in a, we live in a microwave society, but success comes in a crock pot. Yeah. You know, and, and we heard it, say, uh, heard it said one time that the elevator to the top, the elevator to success, it rarely works, but the stairs are always open. Right. Absolutely. So... A year and a half in, he's asking me to buy him out. I said, buy you out of what? We're not doing anything. We're not making any money. <laughs> yeah. We're driving to these houses for 40 bucks a pop, taking pictures. We've got like two listings. Nothing's working. Like, just keep your head down. Let's keep rolling. We started getting some properties, but it was a trickle. It was mm-hmm. a slow trickle. And he was like, hey, you should buy me out. And I started running the numbers. And I was like, I think I can support myself. I think I can pay him off. I can support my family. We're not going to get, you know, we're not going to be rich or anything, but I'll be able to provide. It'll be great. So we worked out a deal. Mike jumped out, and then the floodgates opened probably six months after that. Wow. We landed Freddie. We landed HUD, and everything got flipped on its side. And mm-hmm. it was, um, you know, we were faithful yeah. in the little for a long time, for like three years. And then all of a sudden, I had 100 assets that I was managing, and I had a team. We did stay lean and small, so mm-hmm. I had um, had a, uh, a v- two virtual assistants, and mm-hmm. then I had a uh, field guy and me, and that was it, and we managed that whole portfolio. And That's amazing. So you had a system in place, and this is exactly what expert ownership talks about. We talk about hey, scaling through systems. You had a great system in place. We used QuickBase yeah, quick at base. the time, but you stuck with the system. You built your team around the system. You were able to build an internal and an external team. You utilized the power of virtual assistants. And man, you did a fantastic job. Yeah. Fantastic job. Yeah. And we had nationwide support with you guys, then the other brokers, Melvin, uh, Mm -hmm. Bill down in Florida. Anybody I needed to reach out for was only a phone call away. You guys were responsive. So it was, we had a lot of people that were helping us get through that. Well, you know, you mentioned something and, and I think I see this happening with a lot of entrepreneurs. You mentioned that you had a business partner when you started and it wasn't doing really well. And then you, you ended up splitting, you bought him out. And then just a few months after that, the floodgates opened. Do you know the number of times I've heard that scenario where a partnership broke up and then the floodgates opened? And it reminds me of their story in the Bible with Abraham and his nephew Lot. And they were together and they were both wealthy at this time. And, uh, and, and they were growing too big too fast. And then God told them to split up. And he did. And when they did, God renewed the covenant with Abraham. Of course, Lot ended up in Sodom and Gomorrah. We know that story, but... God renewed the covenant with Abraham. So it's it's interesting that you said that because oftentimes we're hitting our head against a wall. You might be in a business partnership right now and you're listening to this. You're thinking, oh, do I need to fire my partner? No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying sometimes when you're hitting your head against a wall, there are times where God may be telling you, take a look at your partnership. Maybe he wants you running in a little bit of a different direction and then start to explore those options. David and I have had to do it with several partners that we've had. And each time we've done it, we ended up better on the opposite side of that. So and you actually went through that in real life, man. Yeah. And, and Mike and I are still friends. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't a bad split or anything. He was not passionate about the business. I was, 
Um, he was kind of scared. And, uh, and I was like, this is my opportunity. We got to run with this. And, uh, and it worked out and he's doing great. He is a retail pretty house guy and I mm. am not. <laughs> but you know what? It's interesting. You use the word scared because we're all scared. I mean, we all have to face the fear. We just have to get through it uh, to the other side. But here's what's cool. While you were selling houses, you were making commission, you were providing for your family, but then you started to take the surplus and invest it. Kind of walk us through what that looked like. Cause I remember you calling me saying, Hey, I'm going to pick up a couple of rentals here. I'm going to pick up a small portfolio over there. And I'm like, Dustin, you've got just a small family, young family, growing family. And you're like, yeah, we're just living lean and I'm going to make investments. And you know, it's David, I'll piggyback on that before DHEP here uh, replies. Um, That's a part of our course. One of the main parts of our course, when we get to the money section, we teach people the exact formula that David and I used to, to take our active income from our business and our work to turn it into passive income to a point where we didn't even need the business anymore. Now, of course, you could still keep the business open, but that formula, we put in expert ownership. So that's my, that's my shameless plug right now. If you haven't bought expert ownership, go to expertownership.com, buy the course. You're going to love it. Okay, now, Dustin, tell us what you did, bud. Uh, so, yeah, and it's nothing crazy. Before I got teamed up with you guys, I was working with an investment real estate uh, group, and I always had wanted to acquire rentals, but I never had the ability to do so. So here we are just at, on the heels of the uh, Great Recession. And so we bought a small, you know, we bought about four, four sing- or five single family homes that we still have today as rentals. Wow. Um, but two of them have no debt on them at all. Yes. So it's straight up cash flow. And then one was a house that we, the first house that my family and I lived in, we could not give it away. So we threw a renter in there. <laughs> And it turned out to be one of the best things that's ever happened to us. So the wow. equity in that property has almost doubled since we bought it. We've had a, uh, a renter in there that's been in there for about a decade now. So we haven't had much turnover on it, very little deferred maintenance. Uh, we've had some headaches on it, but we built a, a nice pool of equity in that property. And then now we've got four or five that have actually helped, helped us set the foundation for starting our current business, which is coffee. All right, take us into that. Yeah. Well, uh, let's let's move into some investment into another business. Yeah, so as you guys uh, mentioned, um, during the Great Recession, things were great for REO brokers like us. We, we had a lot of properties, a lot of business to handle. Um, and then about 20, was it 15 and 16, you guys started on those calls saying you guys should start doing a retail business. You should start working, you know, the, the, the pretty house side of the business. And I tried to do that. And I I'm just not a fit for that at all. So I tried to show up. I tucked my shirt in, put gel in my hair, belt, belted up, met with some retail people, uh, did a couple of retail listings, hated it, absolutely hated it. And I got a, back to another situation where I had an inventory. My inventory of, of properties went from 100 down to about 30. And I had always told Amy and myself in my head, I was like, once I get below 30, like the market's changing, I'm going to have to change with it or I'm going to have to pivot and shift mm-hmm and jump somewhere else. So um, I went through this process where I started exploring corporate America, corporate jobs. There was a commercial real estate firm where I actually, I think I, t- I, yep. I talked to you about it. Yep, I, talked um, to- I went through seven interviews with this group and I thought for sure I was going to get a, a job in commercial real estate. I got all the way to the CEO and then I got, and what's funny is before I met you guys, I interviewed with the same company Wow! and I got all the way up to one of the partners and I was 26 and it was an executive level gig. I had no experience and was not qualified and I got turned down in 08 and then I, and then I met you guys wow. totally randomly. And then 12 years, like I had watched this company, they tripled in size. 
was like, now I got some experience. Let me go to their website. The same job I interviewed for was available. And I'm wow. like, I'm a shoe in. I got 12 years experience. <laughs> I got do I got hedge funds. I got, you know, government servicers that I'm working for uh, performing. So I should be able to, and I went through seven interviews, got to the CEO, met with them the day after Thanksgiving. And I thought the interview went great. And I never heard another word from them. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Did not get the job. So <laughs> <laughs> you weren't wearing the hacksaw Jim Duggan shirt. I wore a be- suit. I was tucked in. I had gel. I thought I fit the part. This <laughs> dude was wearing jeans and a. Well, he's dressed like you guys. And I called him. I said, yeah. Mister, he's old enough. He's older than my father. So I called him Mister, you know, Mister Sir or whatever. He said, Don't call me that. I'm like, Okay. But the interview went well and uh, still didn't get the job. And then I went into this mindset of fear, mm. anxiety panic. What do I do? Now I got two kids. We had made a pretty big addition to our house. We had the rental properties, but they weren't producing enough income for us to, you know, they were a good supplement, but sure. not like a yeah, coast type of a, a t- type of a gig. And then things kind of worked themselves out where we had a close relationship with a woman that owned a coffee franchise in our market. And we, she posted something on Facebook that said, we are open to the Cincinnati market. And we knew the brand from visiting friends up in Michigan uh, my wife has a latte addiction. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> easiest way to either break this addiction is either to quit cold turkey or just to complete massively immerse ourselves in it so we can get it whenever we want it and then we won't like it. And, uh, so we bought a coffee franchise. Wow. All right. So how's it going? Like, wh- walk us through some of the steps on what you did. So we, we had a meeting with the girl that we knew. She, she is the area representative for our territory. So we met with her and learned the ins and outs of running a coffee business. And my, my interest had always been peaked on a franchise system. You guys were a yeah. franchise, but a very, like, you didn't have to have a lot of employees that you were dependent upon to yeah. run your system. If you had a phone, a laptop, and access to people, you know, a few people, you could get most of the things done. Coffee business is completely different. We got a staff of around 20 people. So yeah. all the time we, we, we're, we're dependent upon them so that we're not in that store all the time. So we, uh, we met with Shanna, our rep, and she kind of told us the ins and outs. She owned two locations. So she was able to answer a lot of the questions that we had. And, um, we had a couple of dinners with them and Amy and I were, were talking and she said, I think we should do it. And I said, we'll never get a loan, but let's try. So, and it was the easiest loan I ever got. No way. Well, that's Just, amazing. Okay, I couldn't so- get more loans for rental properties and I got lent a, I got lent money to open a coffee franchise when I had no restaurant experience ever. What year so, was this? This was in 2000, uh, 2000, early 2018, so like in January. Okay, so a couple of things that you had to do. You had to get the system, adopt the system. You actually had to learn it, get it, nail it, and then you had to build your team around that system, and now you've got to lead that team. So I want to go into each of three, those three categories for the listeners to this podcast. Number one you're succeeding through a system, right? Absolutely. You, you've got, so t- talk to us about that. Give us tips. Give us things that you, you failed at, but you know, you've course corrected. Other things that you did really well at. What are, what are some uh, h- helpful hints there? So you, you obviously are looking at every system with your own set of eyeballs, but you're relying upon the experience of the, the people that are already ingrained in that system. So you, you have a rating system on real estate. And we actually, what has turned out to be fantastic in our location has actually been one of the hardest things that we ever did. And it's not fantastic for the reasons why you would think our location is maybe a C minus. And when mm-hmm. we initially rated it, we had maybe as a B and the, the, the franchise was like, you can succeed as a B, but there were a lot of things I didn't realize when we jumped into it and it was close to us and it was the first time. So now you learn 
Um, but we jumped into this spot, which has now kind of been a lower volume, but a high relationship yeah, location. Okay. So, but, but leaning in on their systems and then what the founders of the company recommended, you know, keep your head down and do what we say for 12 to 16 months. And then after that, come to us with changes that we should make if there's anything, but, but you need to trust us and have faith in, in our system that we built over 25 years. Yeah. So you had to trust the system and then you had to build a team around it. How were you hiring people? Where were you finding them? And what were you like? <laughs> That's what? easy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody with a pulse. <laughs> so, that was, that was what I was always terrified about. And, um, and Amy and I both, uh, she's ingrained in the business as well. So we're running it as a family business. Um, but we are highly relationship driven folks. So uh, we get along really well with people in general, and we feel like we've got a, an okay radar for what we can and can't expect. But it, at some point, you just got to jump in and have faith and be in the pool and just say, hey, whatever it is, we're going to figure it out. Uh, the franchise requires us to be open from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. That's 15 hours a day. It's well, impossible to have a family and to be there for all hours of the day. Yeah. So um, I'll be honest, we got you can call it luck, you can call it faith, you can call it favor, whatever you want to call it. Um, we got a group of A-plus people that wanted to be ingrained in this business, and they started to like us. They liked the opportunity, uh, and we loved them. So, Where, where'd you find them? Uh, word of mouth. Okay. Facebook, and then we did some of the recruiting stuff through some of those websites like Indeed and whatnot. But, but um, I could tell you, uh, knowing you and your wife, when your employees came in, I guarantee they felt connected to you because you guys are both very relational. And the number one key critical thing for an employee in order for them to stay, for you to not go through crazy attrition, is one word, and it's loyalty. Yeah. If, if they feel like you're the type of relational person that they can dive all in with, they'll be loyal to you, and that is the best thing that you can have an employee. Yeah, and very quickly we found out that there's some – really horrible places to work for in and we are you know you start out at minimum wage yeah, and yeah. the way the minimum wage worker is treated in this country is in some place not all places but a lot of the larger corporations you know from scale it's hard to have that relationship side mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. um, just become a number yeah absolutely so we had high school kids that um that were scheduled to work at places you know some of these hardware store locations where they would get scheduled to work while they were supposed to be in school I was like, well how yeah. does that happen? Yeah, yeah. sure. Not paying so. attention. Well, you know, uh, you brought up another good point. This is a family business for you. Yeah. So we've got some entrepreneurs there that are actually in partnership with their spouse. What do you do to keep the flame kindled with your spouse and make sure that you're not set, that, that you're keeping a proper distance between business and personal and all that <laughs> stuff? Like, what do you do, man? I, I, it, you know, it's worked out. It's worked out great. Uh, we are both still working too. So people think you go start a business and all of a sudden you yeah. start making money. We're two years into the coffee shop. I am still working in real estate. Amy is still teaching second graders. Right. Uh, we have been able to work our lives and our schedules around to make this work. And we're blessed with a team uh, that really wants to be part of, uh, of growing the business. But I have known Amy... Um, I don't remember when we met. So we grew up about a mile away from each other. Her mom was my first grade teacher. Uh, so we have, we've kind of been connected at the hip for, you know, we started dating. It's been about 20 years, but um, some, some way our, our demeanors work out where, you know, when I feel myself trying to tell her what to do, I just remind myself to shut up. There, that's brilliant. Uh, hey, that's, that's great marriage advice, even if your spouse yeah. is not your uh, business partner. Uh, you mentioned that you guys are still working odd jobs, and that's what a lot of uh, people that look into becoming an entrepreneur don't realize. 
that, hey, you've got you to hustle while you wait. In other words, you're waiting on the business to take off, so you're hustling and picking up odd jobs. You're doing what it takes. Phil Robertson with Duck Commander and the Duck Dynasty uh, franchise, they said, uh, Phil said, I had to fish the river to feed Kay and the boys while I built the duck call at night. And he did that for two years. And that's just what we have to do. So you're in the middle of that. Now, you've got your system in place. You've built a team. Now you're leading this team. What are some tips and what are some things that you're doing that you're seeing succeed as a leader? Uh, it's just having leeway with our team members. So, you know, you're told if somebody's late, you got to fire them. Mm. And we, we said, well, there's, there's a reason for everything. We're, we're not going to allow them to just run wild, but we're going to have conversations with folks to find out where their head's at. Mm. And instead of just having this impersonal, you're, you're fired relate. Cause we've had a couple folks that they check out and you know, when they're checked out and you got to pull them aside. And as, as aggravating as it can be, you kind of see it coming and you pull them aside and say, Hey, you know, I understand this is not a forever job. Mm-hmm. Are you still with us or do we need to talk about, you know, how you might, how we can help you change, you know, find another opportunity or, or move, move your life in, in a forward direction. Um, so a lot of it's just been that. And owning a coffee shop, I've, I've joked for years, is like uh, owning a bar without the drunk people. <laughs> so our customers, we have a good time with them. I wear ridiculous shirts. Uh, we build relationship with them. Uh, we try to keep it fun. It's not brain surgery. So at the end of the day, it is a, a, you know, a $4 latte. So I tell the folks, like, this is not a high pressure. You know, we, need to, we need to service our customers. We need to love everybody that comes mm-hmm. through the doors and treat them with love and respect and just mm-hmm. make sure they get what they wanted. And if they didn't get what they wanted, just give them something. Give them what they want. Because at the end of the day, it's not going to break the bank for us to give them a free smoothie or a free latte or whatever. Oh, Put wow. a smile on their face. Give them a pup cup and, you know. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Okay, so you got all these great principles. You're faithful and little, and all of this is happening. And then, boom, COVID hits. How have you made your way through this? Yeah, yeah. So what's funny is, you know, the weekend before COVID hit, I had gone on a men's retreat, like, that ended on the 8th. And I got home, and it was the first time I went on a like a men's Christian retreat, and it was a weekend of like just being just smashed. Yeah. <laughs> so I cried for like three days. Like it was yeah, it was sure. a great experience. But I got out of that on March eighth, and then Ohio went on lockdown. I think on the sixteenth. Yep. So I got home from the retreat, and I told her all the stuff that had happened and how amazing and life changing it was, and I was just totally chilled out. And then all of a sudden, things started happening. And I started telling her like, hey. We have had, you know, this issue or this this illusion that we've had control mm-hmm. over everything in our lives for our whole lives, and this is a moment where we don't, and we really need to just start practicing what we preach. That's a good and point. Just have faith that you know we're this is all for a reason. It's all happening, and, and I don't say this in in light, but COVID is one of the best things that has happened to our mm. individual coffee shop, and I. I feel badly saying that. I know a lot of businesses sure. have gone under and are struggling, and it's really been a challenge. Um, but our community has rallied around us. Uh, uh-huh. Some of the larger chains were closed in our market. Uh-huh. So on either side, and we had free marketing for customers that came in. Our business was deemed essential in Ohio, so we were able to stay open. The franchise allowed us to adjust our hours so, like, our shop is a com- in the, the middle of a community. So, yep. it's not on the, the high traffic area. Yep. It's a C location. Lots of residential around us. 
Um, everybody was working from home and they didn't have anywhere to go. So they came. Wow. To our oh, shop I bet to you they loved it. Take out over. You're a lifeline. Yeah. And we have a great team of people and the personality in our shop kind of resembles this t-shirt. <laughs> so folks would come in and they'd get a little escape from the news and all the bad stuff that they were hearing. And, and, you know, we were there to, to build relationships, to give them, give them that escape. Uh, we were able to kind of steal some customers from some of the other chains and um, we've, we have gotten the benefit of some of the, some of the um, stimulus money that's gone out that mm-hmm. has helped us. And uh, we found out that the concept that we're in can get through, you know, it's a lot easier to sell a 2 to $4 cup of coffee than a $100 steak. Yeah, mm-hmm. so and it gave true. us this confidence of, hey, like we're in the right business. Mm-hmm. If, it's, if times are good, it's good. And if times are bad, it, it's going to work. Now, we're not making money hand over fist or anything, but we're... We're getting through it. And you're still employing a lot of people. You're giving opportunities. You're keeping the supply chain moving. It's people like you that are what make this country great in terms of our economic prosperity. Yeah. It's got to feel good. We went from a staff of 22 down to six. And not we didn't let anyone go. We just had every day somebody would call and say, hey, I don't feel safe working. I don't feel safe working. And then the six people that stayed, they were like, we want to work. We will work as much as we can. We don't have anything else to do. We love you guys. We love getting away from the house. Um, Oh, that's so good. It's been just an amazing, amazing ride. Well, man, and and you're obviously a person of faith as well. So, So how did your faith pull you through this time? Yeah, it's been it's been the one thing we've been able to to kind of to grab on to. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I was at, I was at that retreat. I was out in the woods by myself talking to talking to God. And I just kept getting this mess. And we were we were coming off like we were a year in. So the first year was it is as hard as they tell you. Yes. Like when you're going to open a business, everybody's like, that's fun and that's exciting. Then when you sign the lease and sign all the paperwork, then everybody comes out and tells you how dumb you are. Mm hmm. So we went through that. We opened in October of 18, and then the, that first winter, it, it, the wheels fell off, and our, we were like, what did we do? Mm. We dropped like 60%, and then you, it's called the J-curve, but you, 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 you burst out of a cannon, and then you drop, and then you build from there. And we were in the middle of building. Last fall, we saw growth, and we were seeing growth through the winter, so our January and February were like 40% better than they were the, the prior year, wow. and then COVID hit. And I, I had just got from this retreat, and in the retreat, I kept getting this messaging like, hey, you're right where I want you to be. Mm-hmm. You just need to chill out. Just focus on today. Here I am spending my Saturday and Sunday mornings steaming milk, putting syrup in, you know, cups, mm-hmm. just doing what I'm, you know, just focusing on that because the numbers were terrifying, to yeah. be honest with you. Um, and I just kept getting, I, you're where I want you to be. You're doing what I need you to do. And then COVID hit and our numbers kind of, they, they didn't drop. It didn't drop. Um, and, and we've actually had more doors open to us because of it. Wow. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of when Peter was out fishing all night long. Yeah. And then Jesus tells him to cast his nets to the other side. You know, it's, yeah. you know, Jesus had previously been speaking and teaching the crowd in Peter's boat. And then, so teaching takes place in the shallow, and then Jesus turns to him and says, hey, let's go out into the deep, and they go out into the deep, right? And and this is the second time it happens, and he casts his fish or his net into the water, and boom, he pulls up all this, yeah. this great catch. The testing takes place in the deep. So teaching takes place in the shallow, testing in the deep. For you, God was teaching you something at that retreat, and then boom, a week later, he puts you out in the deep water. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. And, and, and it's funny, even more of it. So our location has been a big challenge, but 
because we've got, and everybody told me when COVID hit, you need to call your landlord and you need to get no rent. Like, don't pay that man rent. He, he should be giving you free rent. Nobody's paying rent right now. And I said, that is the last guy I'm going to call. No, that's I'm not great. asking him for you. As long as we can make this work, we can make it work. Um, and now he has asked to fund, to partner in future locations. So oh, he has yeah. developed, he's been put with developing an area around us, uh, another small town, and he's building a standalone and we're going into a, a, a partnership with him on what will be a high, high volume location. Like we're super excited. That should be opening up in, you know, this this year. All so. because that, you honored that's right. Lease. And you said you said something in the very beginning. You said we were faithful in little things. Because the Bible promises when you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. So as we wrap this up, Jason and I, at the end of every episode, we we talk about the faithful five, which are the five core areas that we as entrepreneurs need to own, take ownership. Our course and our podcast is expert ownership. These five core areas of life you need to own. You need to own your faith. You need to own the relationships in your family. You need to own your finances, own your fitness, and own your friendships. So give us one particular area that you are taking ownership in, and what are you doing specifically? Uh, it's our faith. So, And I have conversations with Amy. who um, she's, not, she's here. She's over at the other end of the room right now. But um, <laughs> uh, we've struggled as a couple with just anxiety and fear um, just over the years. It's just been something that always overtakes us, and every time— you know, over the last six months, I have told her like, hey, this is God teaching us some sort of a wisdom. There is some some wisdom that will come over whatever this is. We need to stop looking at this is happening to us. It's happening for us. Whoa. And um, and just learn from it and figure it out. And we may fail. Like we're still, she's still working two jobs. I'm working two or three jobs <laughs> and we're getting through it. And it's like, okay, we just got to get through the next, you know, two months. But really just get through today. That's and, right. And here we are, you know, we're, we're on our first vacation since we opened. We're going to be gone for 10 days and our team is stepping up for us. And I haven't gotten any, like the world is on fire phone calls <laughs> and uh, things have been great. So. so you're succeeding through others, man. You guys are doing a great job. I'm proud of you. Good job, DHEP. I'm glad God crossed our paths. Absolutely. And you've got to get us one of those Hacksaw Jim Duggan shirts. Heck yeah. I got you some coffee. <laughs> Man, that was awesome. It was good hanging out with Dustin and just seeing how we were with him for a decade, pouring into him, and now here he is starting another business, faithful and little, that one principle yeah. that we applied to our business. And then to hear him say, it's not that that something is happening to you, but it's happening for you, that's divine perspective. What what, what Bible verse were you thinking when he said that? I, I guarantee you don't know the reference. Well, I know how am I supposed did. to know that? Romans eight twenty eight. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And are called according to his purpose. Um, And and I love how, you know, he's talking about his systems, team building, leadership. And when he talked about leadership, it was all about communication with his people and being empathetic toward their story. Mm. I think that was probably my biggest takeaway. And my biggest takeaway was that shirt he was wearing. Hacksaw Jim Duggan, an American hero. And I can't wait for my cup of coffee. (laughs) 